Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Attending physician in this very capital gave me the antibody test last week. I still have it. I'm not spreading anything. I forgot my mask. The reality is, if you have antibodies, you're actually okay. The other reality is, is that the President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Speaker of the House have all been inoculated. They have the vaccine, but they still wear their mask anyway. The reason they do this is because Washington is accustomed to fan dances. Washington is accustomed to doing fake things that don't matter. What the media will never tell you is, last year, $4.1 trillion was appropriated to battle not only coronavirus, but to get our economy back on track. A trillion dollars of that money still has not been spent. And in this bill that we're about to vote on in a couple of hours, only $500 billion goes towards either COVID-19 or money to help the American people. That's it. 1.5 trillion is waste. 1.5 trillion is going to pay for bridges in New York or underground tunnels in California. Things that have nothing to do with the coronavirus. One other thing I want to point out is that some of our Democrat colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they know it's wasteful too. But the reason why you're going to see them vote for this bill is because they don't want to have to run for re-election without the support of Nancy Pelosi and the DCCC. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 3rd of March, year of our Lord, 2021. And we got a good show today. That is, of course, people storming the Georgia Capitol. But those people aren't insurrectionists. And the freshman senator is calling out H.R. 1 for what, what it is. And that's how we'll end our show today, H.R. 1. I, I just can't emphasize enough how much H.R. 1 says everything about the Democrats. It's not about 
voting rights. It's not about anything. It's about power. So I, I want to start with the really positive news. Uh, Near Tandon is no longer going to be the OMB. So at least some liberals woke the fuck up and realized you can't be calling for new unity and calling everybody a Nazi at the same time. Because she called even liberals Nazis. But the most shocking thing I got last night from a TV show we were watching. Now, understand, since this whole thing started, and, you know, it's a regular podcast today, not going to go into what we're covering. You'll see it. Um, Just want to get going. A lot of stuff. Just fucking pissed off. Paper or PR firm, Washington Post gurgles about the cachet of having Jill Biden as a customer. And then I see this soundbite. It's on Mediate. I'd bookmarked it, but I hadn't seen it. So then I see it on a TV show. And I want to ask you a question. Did we elect Dr. Jill? No, com- no way to get there. And so we're doing everything possible. And for communities of color, I think it's all about trust. And I think um, during our campaign, I think we tried to build that trust. And um, and when we were elected, and we're trying to get out the the information through the churches and through the leaders in the uh, Hispanic communities and in, in the African American communities that it is safe and that you have to believe in the science. And that's why we we go to their leaders and also we have, and Dr. Fauci. I mean, it's all based on science. And that's why we're with you, <laughs> Dr. Biden. You are an educator. Um, do you think it's time for kids to go back to? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm I'm a teacher. I'm teaching now. And uh, no one wants to be in the classroom more than the teachers do, and then their parents, and then the children. So we've got to get them back, but we have to get them back safely. But will the teachers have any... Excuse me, Mr. President, go ahead. No, but but there's a way to do that. That's why in in this act that I'm... This legislation I have submitted provides for the means to open those schools particularly schools from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Number one, we can get those open quickly. All we need to do is provide the help for the schools for sanitation, for smaller class sizes, for for example, everything from bus drivers to the sanitation workers in the Mm -hmm. schools. And so we can do that, and we can do it now. And those educators should be prioritized. That's important. Uh, Mr. President, in the five weeks you've been in office, you have been taking many actions to revert uh, Trump administration's anti-immigration policy. But today, the Washington Post reports that your administration has plans to open tents at Del Rio, a a town close to the border. Can you confirm that? Well, what I can confirm is there's over 70, right right now, there's thousands of immigrants, uh, thousands of unaccompanied children coming across the border. We've been able to place a significant number of them in in licensed facilities throughout the country, shelters throughout the country. But what happened is, in Texas, they opened up one, one that was a former, uh, one used in in the administration, the last administration. Our hope and expectation is that won't stay open very long, that we'll be able to provide for every kid who comes across the border safely to be housed in a facility that's licensed. And, and what we're trying to do, and we have literally hundreds of people doing it now, connect them with families in this country. 
get them to the families that they that they came to see or they're looking for. And we've already connected thousands of them for that way. And so that's what that's our our hope is to unite these children with families while they wait to have a hearing. And this administration is doing it in a humane way. And that's really important. I mean, we want to make sure that these children are safe, that they get mental health services, they get physical health services, they get education. So we are really concerned about these children. For how long uh, is the administration planning? Who's the fucking president? Who's the president? We didn't elect her. Do you know what would have happened if Melania Trump would have answered questions? Like that? Do you know the fucking outrage? I have sound bites every week I could play of them dogging Melania Trump. Because she got, like this week it was because she got a COVID vaccine. And didn't tell the media. And why would they get COVIDs? They killed everybody. That is the most shocking thing I've seen lately because we didn't elect her. First ladies aren't elected officials. They don't answer policy questions. They don't talk about this administration is doing this, this, and this. They damn sure don't when they're Republicans. Because if they do, it's like, who the fuck's the president? That didn't even get noticed by the media. Nobody cared. The actual article on Dan Abrams' website, Mediaite, was Joe Biden pushes back on Univision Reporter. Because there's no difference, kids in cages and this. There's no, shut the fuck up. You're a bunch of liars. You went off and went on tangents because it was really cool in Twitterverse, but it wasn't based on reality. Then you got in the White House and you realized these things are hard. There's a lot of shit you got to do. And it's hard shit. So, yeah. But this is our media uh, up front before we get into Cuomo. The Biden presidency has brought with us such journalistic gems as these in the Washington Post. Joe and Bo used to watch an eagle soar by the dock. We already read that one. Scrunchies and dog walking. Outgoing top Washington Post editor Marty Byron insists to Brian Seltzer, well, let's just play it. I have this in a soundbite package. But Molly Hemingway, and why I covered it, just put about a million haws. But here are two different times that... The right wing has a media, but the left doesn't. AK, how much of that helped make you and who you are and where you are and how you sit there now? There are two things that I attribute to to who I am. Um, One is the family in which I was raised, and the other is Howard University. And any, any graduate of an HBCU can tell you that what it means... To in those years when you become an adult, you know, those years of 18 through 24, where you are in a place where every signal you receive tells you that you belong, that you will be nurtured, that you will be challenged, and that you will be expected to do well and do well for others. Um, you know, the, the divine nine, 
You know, I, I enjoyed talking about the Divine Nine when I accepted the nomination to be on the ticket, and, and, I, and I described, as I do feel, the Divine Nine as part of my faith. There's also this notion that we're somehow ideologically uh, attached uh, to uh, a party, the Democratic Party. Uh, and that's not true. Uh, we um, are completely independent. We held the Obama administration to account. Uh, we fully expect to hold the Biden administration to account. And um, we're, just, we're just not a branch of any, of any party. The Trump administration tried to describe us as the opposition party, uh, but they did that for their own political purposes, not because that reflects reality. Uh, Jill, this idea that, that liberals are, are getting angry at the press for uh, the basic job of reporting. Uh, this is not brand new, but this is going to be a, an issue going forward, I think. It is. And uh, of course, it's, it's been incredibly frustrating and disheartening to see self-identified liberals attacking the press generally and then attacking a female reporter in such racist and sexist terms. I think what it reflects is this real frustration with the asymmetries that any Democratic president is going to have to contend with when it comes to press coverage. Republican presidents have an entire right-wing media apparatus that supports them. When a Democrat is in charge, that media apparatus is on the attack. And then the mainstream media, places like CNN, places like the Washington Post and the New York Times, uh, they interrogate whoever is in power. And so they're also going to be holding a Democratic president to a higher level of accountability and transparency. And so I think for a lot of folks on the left, that feels like it's unfair. And, and it is different than what, for example, President Trump faced. Um, but I'm not sure that, you know, obviously the answer is not then to attack reporters. And I'm not sure it's even a solvable problem. You can't then ask mm the mainstream press to go easier on the Biden administration, even if the Biden administration is more transparent, more honest, and more competent than the administration before it. That's our media. That's how they're going to cover the whole fucking thing. Because smears work. Molly Hemingway shares 10 most disgraceful lies told by the media. The 10 most disgraceful lies told by Dems in the media. The audit itself is exceptional, but this disgraceful lie in our mind is the one that stuck around. Number three, President Trump refers to Nazi and white supremacists as very fine people. So let's break it down. Here are the ten lies. If it'll open, read the full article. Uh, it's always such fucking thing. Number one, the Capitol Hill riot was an armed insurrection in which five people were killed. Not true. President Trump incited the riot. The very fine people comment. Joe Biden and the Democrats are moderates. Moderates. Who return us to normalcy. Racist police are out to get blacks. BLM Antifa protests were mostly peaceful. $66 billion now. $66 fucking billion dollars. Final assessment. But FBI last night ran a thing about HHS being fuckheads, the TV show FBI, because they monitor BLM protests. Which cost $66 billion of damage. And oh, by the way, killed 36 cops and 50 Americans. The number keeps growing because people are actually researching. Yeah. 
Great stuff. Silicon Valley Democrats believe in freedom of speech. Hydrochloroquine is not is not only useless against COVID, but extremely dangerous. Remember that they, they blame Trump because some idiot drank fish cleaner. Come to find out, it actually works. Children in the womb are not humans. The For the People Act, which would destroy election safeguards and usher in one-party Democrat rule, is for the people. Yeah. And here, here is the For the People. Anita Kumar. Five weeks in office, Biden has fallen short of his former boss, President Barack Obama, on transparency in several areas and under pressure to do more to restore confidence in the federal government following Trump's chaotic term in the White House. There are no citizen petitions or schedules for the president and vice president posted online. The White House comment line is shut down. The White House won't release virtual visitor logs. Biden has yet to hold a news conference of his own. Philip Melishon Wegman asked press sec, while the White House hasn't released virtual visitor logs, isn't that important for transparency? Wouldn't it be easy? Press sec. He's meeting with members of the Senate virtually today. There, I released it to you. What else would you like to know? Remember, Trump was a piece of shit. But he was totally accessible. And because of COVID... They have used COVID to get elected. They've used COVID to fucking break the Constitution and wipe their ass with it. They've used COVID to restrict religious freedom. They've used COVID now to not release who they're talking to. Three times Biden and the Trump did the same thing Trump did. But here are the fucking reactions. And once again, I'm an idiot and I didn't log in, so I didn't. Syria. We covered the last podcast. Trump didn't have the authority. Biden can. We were told, trust Biden. Border control and illegal immigration. Ripping from mother's wounds. COVID vaccines. He's been able to get rid of all sorts of shit. Ben Shapiro takes entire establishment media apart for supporting personal truth over facts. This is an astonishing sentence from the New York Times in a piece about how Smith College, the New York Times, CNN, and virtually the entire establishment media gullibly reported a false story. The story highlights the tensions between students' deeply felt sense of personal truth and facts that are odds with it. I'm reading this because this is the same thing we're doing with Biden. The same principles that, well, you're in this important class, you can just lie. Yeah, that's okay. It's all good. Here's another way to read the sentence. Somebody lied, but the person has a proper identity, and thus we must characterize their lie as a sense of personal truth. The narrative is important, say the media, thus we must characterize overt lies that ruin lives as a sense of personal truth. But in reality, there is no personal truth. There's only truth and your opinion. Or in this case, your overt lies. Good thing our objective fact-first media are on the case. We should probably let them reestablish a monopoly on the dissemination of information. And that really is what it comes down to. It really is what it comes down to. That's your whole, hey, I don't want motherfucking people to be able to talk and chat rooms and all this other shit. Well, it's because... 
every time we find out their lies. Every time there's actual research and reporting done, everything they said is false from the Capitol, Russia, what Trump says. I mean, if you face value what the Washington Post and New York Times say, if you face value that, he's a demon. But then you, when you go in and look at it and go, oh, he actually didn't say that. And remember, when we started this goat rope with Trump, we had a running tracker of his lies. Well, the Federalists decided to do the same thing. As President Biden assumes office, the Federalists will continue its rigorous coverage of the new White House, keeping the administration accountable with substantive fact-checking throughout Biden's tenure. Biden falsely claims administration not opening new migrant centers. And they, too, were in there. Co-president Jill Biden cut in. Co-president. Biden repeats false claim Trump instructed public to inject bleach. Biden lies again about not inheriting a vaccine plan. Biden falsely claims there's an overwhelming consensus to pass excessive COVID spending. Biden denies Saki said schools should open just one day a week. Biden claims COVID vaccine wasn't around when he assumed office, even though he got the fucking thing, but he doesn't remember because he's fucking senile. Biden's statement on impeachment falsely attributes officers' death to Capitol riots. Kamala Harris repeats bogus claim new White House starting from scratch on vaccines. Biden said he would fire staff on the spot for disrespect, didn't fire that guy until it got too bad. Biden said he misspoke when claiming U.S. would reach only 100 million vaccines in 100 days. Biden trashed Trump's China travel ban as xenophobic before signing his own. Biden's team Trump vaccine plan worse than we could have imagined. Biden claims federal government never acted with urgency to combat pandemic. Biden team tells CNN Trump offered no plan for vaccine distribution. Biden White House claims elites celebrating is exception to mass edicts. Biden falsely claims all media smeared vaccine plan is implausible. Biden vows to be unity president after smearing GOP as Nazis with the big lie. It's always the big lie. We're always doing the big lie. And then you wonder why nobody, why Texas today has lifted the mass ban Everybody's losing their shit because they want that control. And Governor Cuomo can tell people to eat the whole sausage. The report of a new sexual harassment allegation against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. The New York Times saying a second former Cuomo aide has now come forward. ABC Stephanie Ramos is here with the latest. Good morning to you, Stephanie. Eva, good morning. The three-term governor was just facing criticism for the way his office reported nursing home deaths during the pandemic. Now, a second former aide is accusing Governor Cuomo of inappropriate conduct. This morning, a second former aide to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is coming forward, accusing him of sexual harassment. According to the New York Times, 25-year-old Charlotte Bennett says Cuomo asked her questions sexual in nature last spring, reportedly asking her whether she had monogamous relationships and if she ever had sex with older men. According to the paper, Bennett told her parents and friends during that time. After an encounter in June, her friend asked if Cuomo 
had been physical. The Times reporting Bennett responded via text message, no, but it was like the most explicit it could be. In a statement Saturday, Cuomo denies the allegation, saying he was trying to be a mentor to her, adding, quote, I never made advances toward Miss Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in any way that was inappropriate. This comes after Cuomo denied allegations from another former aide, Lindsay Boylan, who detailed allegations of sexual harassment, including an unwanted kiss. This morning, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is once again on the defensive after a second woman has come forward accusing him of sexual harassment. According to the New York Times, 25-year-old Charlotte Bennett, a former Cuomo aide, says she became uncomfortable when the governor asked about her romantic life, even inquiring whether she'd been with an older man. I understood that the governor wanted to sleep with me, and I felt horribly uncomfortable and scared, Bennett said, according to the Times. In a statement, the governor, while noting Bennett has every right to speak out, denies the allegations. Miss Bennett's initial impression was right. The statement reads, I was trying to be a mentor to her. I never made advances toward Miss Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in any way that was inappropriate. I want to shift gears here to the uh, new allegation against Andrew Cuomo. A second woman has come out uh, indicating um, uh, some uh, that uh, the Governor Cuomo made her feel uh, uncomfortable uh, in many ways. Here's his statement from last night where in an odd where he basically confirms at least some of the substance of the conversations they had. When she came to me and opened up about being a sexual assault survivor and how it shaped her and her ongoing efforts to create an organization that empowered her voice to help other survivors, I tried to be supportive and helpful. Miss Bennett's initial impression was right. I was trying to be a mentor to her. I never made advances toward Ms. Bennett, nor did I ever intend to act in any way that was inappropriate. The last thing I would ever wanted to, uh, was to make her feel any of the things that are being reported. Carol Lee, that statement to me was pretty eyebrow-raising of itself because it seemed to confirm at least some of the substance and certainly uh, to bring up her own uh, sexual assault yeah. seemed to be highly inappropriate. Yeah, Chuck, and it's not very different and stands out from statements we've seen from officials in the past who've been accused of an out similar allegations where there's an outright denial. That's not at all, as you point out, what we see here. It, it, it's it's kind of tough right now. I mean, look, I've I've been in management, right, and I've I have managed uh, and mentored uh, female subordinates and and have done so without any reference to their sexual sex lives I mean and that that's so that's kind of that should be a no-brainer yeah. uh, and it should have been a no-brainer um, years and years and years ago and it certainly is now uh, so this is a problem for him yeah it's a I think it's a big one that before we go I do want to ask you about Andrew Cuomo we saw those headlines this morning a second person has come forward with sexual harassment allegations can he survive this no he shouldn't. I mean, honestly, you know, when you think about someone who's in a position of power like this, uh, and we know we've been here before, we've had these conversations around this table, and you take advantage of your relationship with women, and, the, and I believe these women, I, I always stand with women, um, then you should not be in a position of authority. And honestly, with, you know, Andrew Cuomo has had a very, very bad couple weeks with the issue with COVID and the nursing home facility, and this is just another shoe to drop. Before we start tonight, uh, let me say something that I'm sure is very obvious to you who watch my show. And thank you for that. You're straight with me. I'll be straight with you. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, 
of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues and profoundly so. I just wanted to tell you that there's a lot of news going on that matters also. So let's get after that. I don't know if I should eat the whole sausage in front of you, but I'm definitely going to eat it. No excuses. You know everyone, you know the county executive? That motherfucker's a guido. Look at this goddamn picture. I, I've been married 34 years, and I don't say to my wife, you can eat that whole sausage. I mean, every once in a while, sure, I got some innuendos. But understand, this sexual harassment shit, his nursing scandal, this stuff's been around since May. This isn't new. But we were under the, well, we got to do everything to get motherfucking Trump out of office. The media was his aid. Well, we didn't want Trump to use it. They could weaponize facts. I mean, why do we want that? We weaponize facts all the time that aren't actually facts. Number of stories in 2020 mentioning Cuomo positively, 401. Two old stories in 2020 about him killing 15,000 grandma and grandpas. I mean, I can go over story after story, but we covered it. I mean, they just buried the bad news all through 2020. 2021 blockbuster revelations, minimal coverage. They don't want to. Take a gander at the left's 2020 love affair with Andrew Cuomo on the most embarrassing tweets we could find. BuzzFeed, take this poll and sell the debate. Who's the hottest Cuomo brother? And you saw him talking about it. CNN will cover it in depth. No, they're not. They're not covering it in depth. It's not breaking news. It's not a bombshell. The walls are closing in. This is the smoking gun for Governor Cuomo. Governor Cuomo must resign. No, you're not hearing that. Same team. Chelsea Handler, I love waking up to Andrew Cuomo. It's like the universe has given us what we've been missing for the last three years. A confident voice of leadership during terrible times. The truth, for starters. I mean, he was worse than Trump. He didn't believe the science. And what the fuck? Eat the whole sausage? Grabbing reporters' faces like this? What a guido. Some Vogue magazine covers of Andrew Cuomo. The Cuomo and Cuomo exchange have seemingly brought in touch and much-needed levity. New York Governor Cuomo held its last regularly scheduled coronavirus briefing. We're already going to miss him. Why we are crushing on Andrew Cuomo. Thank you, Andrew Cuomo. Thank you for reminding us that there is a man who can lead. Deborah Messing. This makes me giddy. Come on, New York Governor Cuomo. Step up for the sake of our country. President Trump will be ineligible for California's primary ballot next year unless he discloses his tax returns. That was in 2019. Thanks, Governor Cuomo. This is Ben Stiller, providing leadership, humanity, humor, and inspiration. Ben Stiller, again, really appreciate New York Governor Cuomo's leadership right now in our state. He's killing our grandmas. 
Sean Penn, thank you, Cuomo, for your leadership. Core response is incredibly dedicated staff of volunteers ready to serve New York. Ronald Klein, a plan with metrics and transparency and discipline. Nothing is perfect, but if you had this kind of approach to the entire country, we'd be much better off. Yeah. So much better off. We'd be so much better off. Hillary Clinton. I'm not even going to read her shit. Brian Seltzer. The virus is the great equalizer. Here's what Cuomo said about my best friend brother, Chris Cuomo. Ryan James Gadurski. It's absolutely uncanny you can run your life by betting again against whatever Jennifer Rubin says. Watching Andrew Cuomo is inspiring, uplifting, fascinating. He weaves details and humor and math and common sense all together. He's magnificent. Let's just listen to him. The Lincoln Project. Chris Cuomo is all of us. What was the soundbite? You tell me how a president in the middle of a pandemic has got time for this bullshit. Are you kidding me? Promoting Goya. He had time to go fucking tell a girl to eat the whole sausage. Which meant his penis. The Daily Show, in the absence of federal leadership, governors are stepping it up. Look at Gandrew, Andrew Cuomo. Chris Saliza gets tri- triggered. Yashir Ali, yikes. Andrew Cuomo said he'll never run for president. That's a mistake, Chris Saliza. Janice Dean, March 25th. You, Governor Cuomo, made an executive order requiring nursing homes to coronavirus patients that accelerate an outbreak like wild, wildfire and killed our loved ones. We still don't know the exact numbers. You have a catastrophe on your hand. Chris Salima, Saliza, when this was breaking in May 2020, Cuomo often came under criticism for being essentially a terrific bureaucrat, but it's that intimate knowledge of the state and its government apparatus that has served him extremely well in this moment. Another Saliza, Michelle Obama, Kristen Aquiza, Andrew Cuomo, Alice Cooper, Mrs. Gretchen's Wimmer, round table applause. Yashir Ali, Chris, anyone paying attention to Cuomo and not seduced by a bunch of press conferences over the course of a couple of weeks would have known better. This was his reply. Wait, so I was supposed to know almost a year ago about these allegations against Cuomo that have just come out? I know this website likes debunking, but wow! Benny Johnson, Cuomo had been killing thousands of New York nursing home residents when you wrote the article. No matter what happened with Andrew Cuomo, it will not cause political media to be introspective. And in CNN's case, one shouldn't rule out the possibility of them winning an award. Here's the reason why I covered it. Is it to dunk on these motherfuckers? No. Wouldn't do any good to dunk on I could dunk on them in their face. I've always had dreams. I've dreamed of being on an airplane next to fucking that piece of fucking shit. MTP motherfucker. Todd. And telling him how he's destroyed a great enterprise. The last non-biased news show. It wouldn't do any good. The problem is, when this was breaking on what is now deemed Nazi media, other than the mainstream media, the misinformation they all want to cancel and they're telling cable providers not to carry... You guys said it was conspiracy theory. You ignored it. It's no different. I mean, folks, this isn't new. Remember, it took the Drudge Report to get the blue dress out in the public. Clinton never would have been in pre-peach because they didn't want to cover it. They love Clinton. 
Bubba was the shit. And that's the problem with our media. They want to silence facts as they put out falsehoods all the time. I mean, we just go off recent history. The entire Capitol riot is a lie. Yet millions of Americans, never Trumpers, friends of mine, they believe all those lies. Armed insurrection, Trump organized it. It was worse than anything that's ever happened in our country. Not true. Nobody died, including cops. Nobody was armed. Nobody was beat. There's a couple videos of ruckuses that were inappropriate and violent between cops and some protesters. As we'll see today, they're talking about Antifa motherfuckers. It's exactly what the right-wing media was saying. Or I like to just call ulterior, alternate sources than what Google wants to hand you. And I was looking in the old catalog, Google, Google was doing this shit in 16. They just perfected it in 20. Where they outright just said, we're not carrying anything. We're only going to hand people CNN. And we're going to make sure people that are Republican, because we know what they search, we're not going to give them anything about the election and not even tell them to go vote. But they were doing it before. They've been doing it. This is what they do. This is why you have angry people that are just done with the GOP and everything. Jonah Goldberg pulling his butt Trump card when called out for crediting media on Cuomo coverage. Jonah Goldberg. Pretty much believed the MSM coverage of Cuomo. I just think it's funny how many folks who usually claim the MSM is entirely evil, corrupt, deceitful, and compromised have suddenly lost their skepticism. Guy Benson. Love you, Jonah, for real. But this strikes me as wrong, especially in light of the same MSM coverage of DeSantis on almost everything. Cuomo's scandal was well underway. Daily Caller... AP, a non-liberal source, or non-conservative source, before the DNC in August. Yet the press largely embraced the embarrassing Cuomo line. Andrew Follett, that really isn't fair to those folks. If one thinks the progressive press is evil, corrupt, and deceitful, the fact that they're reporting the misdeeds of a Democrat is actually strong evidence that happened, a.k.a. even they report this. And remember... Everybody, every media from PBS on up was all in on bashing anybody but Cuomo, Jim Acosta, Ted Johnson, difference in news network network coverage right now, Senators, Grill, FBI Director over Insurrection, Breaking News, FBI Director on MSDNC, on Fox, Cancel Culture Goes After Dr. Seuss. Jim Acosta, this is deeply irresponsible. The entire world goes, where's your article on Cuomo? Drew Holden. Here we go. You want bad New York cover takes? Then you come to the right place. It's good to see folks recognize his failure, but apologies are in order for those who built him into a pandemic hero while he played a villain. Here's the top ten. Sonny McFunny face. Just pictures of Cuomo and his brother. I mean, Sonny McFunny Face put like 10,000 of them up. All the laughing and the guffawing and all the happy times we had. Oh, those were the days. 
cotton swabs and crazy shit. And then the Drew Holden, it's all the same thing. Amy Siskin, Vogue, it's just a litany of news sources that just said he was so much better because Trump. Because Trump. They they did it all they want. And then Cuomo's sitting there. Uh, contrary to what Chris Cuomo told you last night, CNN is not extensively covering it. Brian Seltzer, at the top of Cuomo primetime tonight, obviously I'm aware it's going on with my brother, and I obviously cannot cover it because he's my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively, and they'll continue to do so. If you don't look very carefully, you'll miss it, Cuomo. Here's their front page. Let me blow this up. And this, this over and over and over every day since this happened. Here's what's at stake in the next two or three months of the pandemic. A third vaccine could be administered as soon as today. Which COVID-19 vaccine should I get? Analysis. Biden must balance the horror COVID with the hope to come. Opinion. I got vaccinated. What now? Live update. Hydrochloroquine should not be used to prevent COVID-19, WHO said. Woman once thought to be a victim in college sex trafficking case has now been charged in it. New satellite image reveals North Korea. Biden to huddle with Senate Democrats. Holly defends opposition. I'm Goya under fire for false Trump election claims. Woman alleges sexual misconduct against North Carolina GOP lawmaker. New York AG says she can start investigation to Cuomo as second accuser says he wields power. Chris Cuomo explains why he can't cover his brother. Bottom page right. We're not going to cover it. We're not. We're just not. We're not going to cover any of that shit. We're, we're going to cover no. Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota delivered a speech to a conservative conference yesterday, and she touted her decisions. Uh, she got a standing ovation when she said she ignored the medical advice of experts and specifically you. We never focused on the case numbers. Instead, we kept our eye on hospital capacity. Now, Dr. Fauci, he told me that on my worst day, I'd have 10,000 patients in the hospital. On our worst day, we had a little over 600. Now, I don't know if you agree with me, but Dr. Fauci is wrong a lot. Well, I'd like to respond to something that you said. You indicated that I ignored medical advice. I didn't listen to my health experts, and I most certainly did. In South Dakota, we took this virus very seriously. Uh, what I did, though, was tell my people the truth. I gave them personal responsibility over decisions for their family's public health, but also gave them the flexibility they needed to keep their businesses open, take care of their employees and their customers. So, uh, you know, I really do believe that as this virus has spread throughout the country, that people needed that flexibility. And South Dakota's doing well. We've had some tragic situations, but I know that that respecting them and my role and the authority that I have as governor has been incredibly helpful to get our state get through this challenging time. Well, we played that clip from your speech, and in that uh, speech you also said you never instituted a mask order, shut any churches or businesses, or even defined what an essential business is. As of today, the CDC says your state has the eighth highest death rate per capita in the U.S. That's a rate of deaths per 100,000 residents. Don't you think your decisions as an executive contributed? 
You know, South Dakota's infection rate peaked earlier than a lot of other places in the country. So we're definitely on the downward trend uh, and earlier and peaked earlier than what you're seeing happen across the country as well. You know, you can talk about masks. We can talk about mitigation measures, all of that. Uh, what These were CDC numbers as of today. What I am against and it was is the death mandates rate. that would tell people that what they have to do. I want people to make those decisions for themselves. And we've seen the CDC change recommendations over and over and over again. In fact, we've seen them do it just based on political pressure. Uh, we follow the science, the data, mm -hmm. and the facts in South Dakota to make our decisions. And it's been incredibly helpful to make sure that we're taking care of people who need it when they get sick. I was asking you about the death rate as of today, according mm -hmm. to the CDC. Now They'll do anything, DeSantis. No, they'll find anybody. Ezra Klein calls out New York City, New York City-based media and CNN for early pandemic coverage of Andrew Cuomo. And then the whole world says you did the same thing. So what the fuck are you talking about? You want to look like a hero now? You're not a hero. Believe all women. Another former aide to Governor Cuomo comes forward accusing him of sexual harassment. That's number three. Not going to go into the details. Doesn't matter. Nothing's going to happen. Once the eat sausage broke, female reporter says Cuomo eat whole sausage remark was not harassment. It was an informal event because they're not going to hurt him. Even NPR notices Gillibrand won't talk about Cuomo. Kristen Gillibrand tweets smearing Kavanaugh when a second accuser came forward has not aged well. Enough is enough. One credible sexual assault claim should have been too many to get a lifetime appointment to Supreme Court and make decisions that will affect millions of women's lives generation. Two is an embarrassment. It's time for a new nominee. And everybody's tweeting a picture of her smiling next to Cuomo. Alyssa Milano. Miss Me Too. Why is it so hard for men accused of sexual harassment to say, I'm sorry for the hurt I've caused, I'm willing to listen, I want to grow, I'm 100% committed to being part of the solution. Instead, they just gaslight and try to discredit the women. It's such bullshit. Nowhere in there does she say Cuomo. Said it. It's the subtle biases. It's when a Republican is fucked up, GOP congressman. On CNN's own site, Cuomo. They don't say Democrat. He's a fuck up now, but we're not going to say his party. We don't. We don't do that. Uh. Uh. Kathleen Rice. The time has come. The governor must resign. And there's the first member of the New York congressional delegation to call for it. It took that long. Three accusers to come forward. It's not for killing 15,000 grandmas and lying for political gain. That doesn't matter. It took three accusers. But COVID, the entire thing, has been a political boon for the left. They've used it knowing they're full of shit, knowing that it's nobody's fault, knowing that Trump did do the right things because Biden's doing the same thing Trump's doing. And nobody wants to go in depth on this shit. This is what's happening in our schools. There's never been anything like this virus in our lifetime. Often, it's hard to see the effects it's having on our children. Has this conversation taken place in your home? 
Mom, I'm scared about going back to school. I don't want to get sick, and I don't want to get you and Dad sick. Our scientists tell us there are three things we must do to stay safe. Wear masks, make sure we social distance, and wash our hands. And now, your school, with the help of Microsoft Corporation, has created another. Introducing Daily Pass, your exclusive ticket for safely going back to school. Each week, you can schedule your free on-campus COVID test. The results are displayed in your Daily Pass. And if you choose to take your test off-campus, you can post the results in your Daily Pass. And the moment vaccinations are available, you'll simply be able to schedule yours through your Daily Pass. But the real magic is your daily health check. Just answer a few simple health questions every day, and like magic, your entrance ticket appears. Welcome back. Welcome to school. So, how did it go? Dad, I have to admit, I was scared at first, but then I felt so safe. It was so good to be back. Thanks for keeping me safe. I love you so much. children do not keep their masks on. Yeah, I got the Kool-Aid up now. It's kind of a universal thing now. We got milk is racist, Nazis, drink the Kool-Aid. Because that's all we're living right now is drink the fucking Kool-Aid. Black people can't be racist. White people, everybody's a fucking racist. Yeah, it kind of fits for this whole thing. Because it's just a cult. They're a fucking cult. Governor Newsom busted again, this time in a closed restaurant for a celebrity video with George Lopez. But he had the balls to say that uh, Abbott was irresponsible. Only positive on COVID so far, U.S. Supreme Court rules against California lockdown of churches, kind of. You know, if, you, if, if the parties were reversed, and during uh, Trump, he closed down, say, mosque, but everything else stayed open, you know the outrage there would be? Strip clubs can be open, but not mosque. That's what they'd say. But strip clubs, everything you can think of is open, except for churches in blue states. Because it's directly a targeted attack on people they don't vote for. That's all they don't, they just don't care. And that that video is a Berkeley teachers union. This guy's outright said we should never open schools. But he's taking his small child to a private daycare. Because, you know, why not? 
Then they scary shit. Parents are being told by public health that when their kids are dismissed from school because a classmate has tested positive, they must quarantine the child alone in a separate room for 14 days. Even small children, even those who are asymptomatic. I searched this because Cassandra Fairbanks, these people don't deserve children. I would lick an entire Petri dish of COVID germs before I would isolate my kid alone. Here are tweets she found. Exactly us two. I have my seven-year-old in isolation downstairs. He keeps messaging me on Facebook Messenger, Mommy, I'm lonely. My five-year-old wrote in his journal entry today that he is sad because his brother isn't here. I set up a baby monitor to let the eight-year-old ask for things. Five-year-old's using it to talk to the eight-year-old brother. And so the 14-day isolation begins. Nothing has broken my heart like the sound of my 10-year-old crying while I sit on the other side of the door and tell him 14 days will go quickly, hoping PH calls so we can get some advice and answers. This is what the media has done to people. This is what they've done. They have scared people so bad, they're isolating their kids. If my wife got fucking COVID, I would treat her. I don't give a fuck if I died. If my kid got COVID, I would treat him. I'd be next to their bedside. If I died, I fucking died. This is what they've done to people. This cult, it's just a fucking cult. Peel Health has issued guidelines to parents instructing them to keep any children who have been sent home because of classmates tested positive for isolation for 14 days. The severe guidelines, which apply even to small children, are dismissed from childcare, are being criticized by experts as harmful and not supporting science. This is cruel punishment for child, especially for younger children, 4 to 10-year-old. Dr. Susan Richardson, a microbiologist and infectious disease physician, she knows the science, but she doesn't have the right identifier after her name, a D, who is also a professional emirate of University of Toronto, wrote in an email to the Sun, shutting a child off from their parents, siblings, for up to 14 days in the manner could produce a significant, long-lasting, emotional, psychological effect. Oh, no shit. Think so? Then you got Newsweek. The individual lessons which I obtained are even more divisive and kindergarten teachers require students to watch a video that dramatizes dead black children, warning them about the dangers of being killed by racist police and state-sanctioned violence. In middle school, students are told that all white people play a part in perpetuating systemic racism and that white elites work to perpetuate racism through politics, law, education, and media. Whites derive their wealth from slavery and are unfairly rich. Fact check. The Buffalo School teaching students that all white perpetuate racism on Newsweek. Newsweek rated on Friday. Newsweek rated my story on Buffalo Public Schools as half true. So I fact-checked the fact-checkers and forced them to retract their judgment and change it to true. Remember, most fact-checkers are semi-illiterate partisan hacks. Treat them accordingly. I, I, I just don't even know what to say. It's a fucking cult. Frontier Airlines doubled down after kicking Jewish family off plane over their massless 18th-month-old child. It's on video. I'm not playing. It's fucking horrible. Kids aren't carriers. But some liberal probably lost their shit on the flight. 
Mm. Then you got Washington, D.C. Regarding cherry blossoms this year, National Mall NPS is telling people not to visit the Tidal Basin at peak bloom this year and is deciding whether to offer very limited in-person viewing opportunities or close off the entire area. Want to do something interesting and outdoors after a difficult winter? No such luck. I've been tracking every report I could find for the past year and have yet to find a confirmed super-spreading event that occurred solely outdoors. Ah, so no lessons learned from a year of studying the virus. Good times. Nature. Remember, they tried to sh- they closed the parks, the national parks. Nobody obeyed. They just went anyway. Here in Tennessee, they just took the shit down. Because they realized people were just driving around the barricades. I'm in nature. Unless a fucking deer is carrying COVID, I'm pretty good. A third of troops have turned down the COVID-19 vaccine. I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't know it was an option. I'd take anthrax. Third one gave you 104 fever. 103 fever. Thought I was going to fucking die. But yeah, the new army. You get a choice on this kind of shit. Former top coronavirus task force official, Blast Biden... We'd have to slow down to meet his goal. Media doesn't care. Glenn Kessler, four Pinocchios for this 100% false tweet on Donald Trump. Trump complaining about kids not back in schools yet. Who was the president a month ago? He didn't shut those down. To the vaccine. Three dozen cases of spontaneous miscarriage, stillbirths occurring after COVID-19 vaccine. Don't see that in the media, though. We're not going to cover that shit. Because you're an anti-vaxxer if you have any concern about this. And then last but not least, and let me flip back to our Cuomo picture, because this is just peak, peak media. USA Today columnist, bury the 500,000 COVID-19 dead at Mar-a-Lago. We should bury as many of them as we can until every foot of the property is occupied. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's good shit right there. I mean, we're not going to look at Cuomo. We're not going to look at this goddamn fucking Guido sexually harassing people. No, we're not looking at that. We're not going to look at that he purposely killed people, then lied about it because, yeah. Why would we? It it comes down to, if you have a D behind your name, you can pretty much do whatever you want. So, as we rotate into kids a la cages, which, you know... We're not calling them kids a la cages, because why Why would we? I mean, that, 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 that would just make sense. I mean, it's, but it's a mill fan, so it's totally fucking different. Let's do a GOP still the focus soundbite, because all this is going on with the left, their hypocrisy, 
The kids getting ripped from their mother's bosoms. Yeah, we're still talking about the GOP, which, by the way, is in charge of zero levers of power in Washington. They're not in charge of anything. But they're still to blame for COVID checks because, you know, impeachments and HR1 and taking away your guns and uh, writing cable companies to drop conservative channels. That's way more important than actually the $1,400 checks, which were supposed to be $2,000 checks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jill, this idea that that liberals are are getting angry at the press for uh, the basic job of reporting. Uh, This is not brand new, but this is going to be an issue going forward, I think. It is. And uh, of course, it's it's been incredibly frustrating and disheartening to see self-identified liberals attacking the press generally and then attacking a female reporter in such racist and sexist terms. I think what it reflects is this real frustration with the asymmetries that any Democratic president is going to have to contend with when it comes to press coverage. Republican presidents have an entire right-wing media apparatus that supports them. When a Democrat is in charge, that media apparatus is on the attack. And in the mainstream media, places like CNN, places like the Washington Post and the New York Times, uh, they interrogate whoever is in power. And so they're also going to be holding a Democratic president to a higher level of accountability and transparency. And so I think for a lot of folks on the left, that feels like it's unfair. And and it is different than what, for example, President Trump faced. Um, But I'm not sure that, you know, obviously the answer is not then to attack reporters. And I'm not sure it's even a solvable problem. You can't then ask Mm the mainstream press to go easier on the Biden administration, even if the Biden administration is more transparent, more honest, and more competent than the administration before it. Love your assessment, Brittany, of uh, the Saki era thus far. Regular briefings are great, but there have been a few times where uh, the White House has seemed to, to step in it. Well, Brian, it's been really refreshing to have briefings every day and to even know who the senior officials talking to Biden are. We were not getting that in any of the Trump Mm. years, especially in those waning days of the McEnany briefings. And it is refreshing. I do kind of put it towards like having a really bad (laughs) ex-boyfriend. We were getting essentially abused by Kaylee for so long, or at least she was calling us fake news and inciting her followers uh, and followers of the president to not only harass us online, but obviously go to uh, deadly ends for some people with death threats. Now we have Jen and the entire Biden team. It's very refreshing, but it's important to remember that the bar has literally been left on the floor and just being able to show up and clear it isn't enough. So it's great that we're having briefings every day, but it is we're seeing like we heard in that package, Jen kind of chiding about the Space Force question, dodging on questions about Major Taylor Green and some other things that we should be allowed to ask the questions, even if it makes them uncomfortable. He tackles in her new book, The Sum of Us, what racism costs everyone and how we can prosper together. In it, she examines the self-destructive bargain of white supremacy and how much we've lost economically as a country due to racism in terms of a dollar amount. A study released last year by Citigroup found that America has lost 66 billion. That's what it cost. But okay. Biden administration won't allow media to tour migrant facilities due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But they're not kids in cages. Just remember that. Isn't that convenient? Excuse Biden and men feeds the media for keeping them from visiting the concentration camp. 
So I read the story. Porters will not be allowed inside the Carrizo Springs facility for unaccompanied minors that was recently opened under the Biden administration in Texas. The Health and Human Service Administration with Children and Families spokesperson told the DCNF, the Office of Refugee Resettlement is not hosting media tours of unaccompanied children facilities currently due to the COVID-19 pandemic. If the media tours resume, we will send a media advisory. Biden would hate the side-by-side photos of Trump cages and Biden facilities. I take, I take it Representative AOC, AOC won't be touring for a photo op again. Send a drone. Gee, I wonder why. They'll get away with it, though. President Biden will be briefed on the need for 20,000 beds. But the DHS secretary says, no, it's not. We, we don't have crisis. Here's him. Um, do you believe that right now there's a crisis at the border? I think that the, uh, um, the answer is no. So let's just break this down really quick. I could go back into the old catalog and show you pictures of staged photo ops that the media was doing with people while there was a ruckus in the background and make them look like they were all just running there and that the um, ice was beating them up at the border. Remember all this shit? You know, it really happened under Obama. But the media didn't make a big deal about a bunch of illegal immigrants storming the gate and them having to CS them. But we made a big deal about Trump CSing, and that was just gigantic. And then we showed that picture of literally somebody taking a picture of the media actually acting like it was really bad, but it was not. They had them off to the side, and they were staging and framing everything. Do you remember that? Do you remember how the media covered this whole conversation? So you have a president now who says, come in. We're going to let you all in. They come in. We're releasing 26,000 illegals every fucking week. Untested. They have COVID. Because of the pandemic, we can't test them. But they know they have COVID. And they're just bringing them in because Mexico has a huge outbreak of COVID. How? Why? Who? If you're a never-Trumper, if you're one of those people that are conservative and you thought Biden was the right way to go because he wasn't Trump, God, you got to be feeling really silly right now. 52 executive orders taking the Constitution and wiping his taint with it, not releasing shit, not putting out information, not doing press conferences. When the press does ask, it gets snapped at by that little bitch behind the podium who really needs a haircut because she does this all the fucking time. It's really annoying. Yeah, I called her a bitch. She's a lying bitch. She died, lied about fucking Iran. But we're told not, you know, no. She's perfect. She's going to bring truth back. Axios, a briefing schedule for President Biden this afternoon, outlines the need for 20,000 beds to shelter an expected rush of child immigrants. But there's no crisis. Then he says, just a stunning message from DSS Secretary to all the smugglers and traffickers, we are not expelling young children. 
We're not apprehending nine-year-old child who's come alone, who's traversed Mexico, whose parents, whose loving parents had sent them there alone. A, a, a question about um, how unaccompanied migrant children are handled. The process that you articulated is the same as it was under former President Trump. It's the same as it was under former President Biden. The difference, as I understand it, with the Trump administration was that they held children for a longer period of time. How can that process be sped up? There are immigration advocates who say most kids who come here unaccompanied have the name or a phone number of a relative here in the U.S. and that they should be matched with them promptly. So let me, let me if I may, uh, correct um, um, one of the premises uh, of, your, of your question. You said that we're handling them in the same way uh, that the Trump administration did, and that is that is absolutely um, uh, inaccurate. So the process that you articulated is Well, um, actually, the Trump administration expelled children. Uh, to Mexico, uh, uh, and we are not expelling young children. We are not apprehending a nine-year-old child who's come alone, who's traversed Mexico, uh, whose parents, whose loving parents had sent that child alone. We're not expelling that. Loving parents. What kind of parent sends their kid for fucking Central America with all the coyotes and human trafficking and drug trafficking and gun trafficking? Just sends them by themselves to the U.S. How is that a loving parent? Anybody? Emma Shaw Crane. The Biden minutes were opening the detention camp for migrant kids in Homestead, Florida. This camp was shut down in 2019. My collaborative research with AFS and a bunch of other fucking people shows the site is contaminated with military waste. The detention camp is surrounded by toxic Superfund site of our FOIA request found that it has never been tested. We've asked HHS.gov, U.S. Air Force, Miami-Dade County if this site is safe. They say they don't know. The camp is next to a military base runway and violates federal and county noise restriction. Detained kids are exposed to noise from F-16 jets. You can hear my brilliant colleague, Lupita OA, talk about this environmental racism here. This ecological violence is linked to U.S. militarism and war. As the Lisa Marie Florida and Thomas Skin say here, no person should be detained and no one should be detained in this place. Organizers shut it down once. We'll shut it down again. But because of them and their open border bullshit, border crossing, the number of migrants hoping to enter the U.S. on the rise, at least 200 children without parents trying to come to the U.S. each day. The government is running out of beds as the president comes under fire from fellow Democrats over where they're being kept. The number of migrants trying to cross into the U.S. is rising and the government's resources are being pushed to the limit. But nothing. They can go up there and he can say there's no crisis. And our transcribers that are in media just report it. Yeah, there's there's nothing. Twitter rolled out trusted report team. They're just going around it like a bot, and with 56 followers, a blue check mark, just defending Biden stuff. Fact check: Biden reopened cages and migrant facilities. False. And yesterday, in the evening. In California, an SUV with 27 motherfucking illegals in it crashed with a fucking semi-truck and 15 of them died. No major media covered it. 
They were all illegal. They had gotten through because we're just catching and releasing. And yeah, we just, yeah, there's no outrage. Yeah, why would there be? I mean, come on. Come on. Trust Biden. Biden good. Trump bad. Same policy. Of course, Trump policy was the same policy as Biden's policy in the beginning. I mean, if you think about it, nobody wants to put the dots together that Biden has detained more kids than anybody on the fucking planet because he was part of the eight years of Obama detaining motherfucking kids. Ripping them from their mother's bosom. But don't expect a Time magazine of a kid crying on the side of the fucking road. We won't do that. We won't frame things. We'll just gloss over. Bottom of the page. CNN. So, we're going to go into a... Out of... Out of order, it seems. But I got to cover this Dr. Seuss shit. Because it's just the fucking stupidest shit in the world. So, we're going to do a new segment to try to clean out our head space. Let's do a military moment of zen. years ago on this show, we talked to a former Georgia state representative called LaDawn Jones about Black Lives Matter. Jones is a strong supporter of BLM, so not surprisingly, she was well-practiced in the now highly familiar tactic of denouncing everything she doesn't like as racist, and we knew that going into the interview. What was surprising was to hear LaDawn Jones go after the beloved children's book author, Dr. Seuss. She called Dr. Seuss a bigot. Here's the exchange from 2017. I actually had to, once I heard the story, pull out our Dr. Seuss books that are on my children's bookshelf and take a closer look at them so I can see exactly what it was that was the complaint. And as is normal well, what was for it? many what, of us. What, what was it? I mean, actually, I've been obviously speaking tongue-in-cheek because this is, like, literally demented. But since you said that you checked 
Dr. Seuss for racism. What did you find? Where were the racist parts? So you look at many of the drawings and you have to put it in the context of the times that many of these books were, were written. And you can see that there are some very stereotypical drawings of Asian Americans. Um, Dr. Seuss was known for some very stereotypical blackface drawings prior to the books that most of us are familiar with. Now, at the time, what you just heard seemed incomprehensible. In fact, as we noted, kind of demented. Say what you will about Dr. Seuss. Maybe you think his drawings are primitive. Maybe some of his dog rule doesn't actually rhyme. Fair. But Dr. Seuss was not a racist. Dr. Seuss was a preachy liberal. He was an evangelist against bigotry. He wrote an entire shelf of books against racism, and not in a subtle way. They were clearly, explicitly against racism. That was the whole point of writing them to teach children not to be racist. Now, as it happens, today is Dr. Seuss's birthday. Born Ted Geisel in Springfield, Massachusetts, he would be 117 years old were he alive today. And thank God he isn't, because he would be wounded and confused. Every year on Dr. Seuss's birthday, the president, whomever he is at the time, makes a proclamation in support of something called Read Across America Day. That's designed to encourage kids to read books. And every year, the president mentions Dr. Seuss, because, again, it's his birthday. That's the whole point of it. But not this year. Joe Biden omitted Dr. Seuss from this year's proclamation. Why? Because Dr. Seuss is now considered a racist. So what seemed like total lunacy less than four years ago is now the official position of the White House. Now, the shocking thing about this is not that it happened. Academic revolutionaries have been attacking traditional children's books for decades. A few years ago, some moron at Boston University produced so-called research on Curious George's undercurrent of white dominance. Quote, the series celebration of the oppression of an abducted monkey parallels the oppression of black Americans. And so on. You won't be surprised to learn that that girl now works for Bill de Blasio in New York. Of course she does. What's surprising is how calculated all this is. Now, conservatives will be tempted to chalk up the attacks on Dr. Seuss to the usual cancel culture gone mad. Look how hysterical and stupid the professional left is. They're even calling Dr. Seuss racist. And you've seen people say that on social media today. But it's totally missing the point. Canceling Dr. Seuss isn't stupid. It's intentional. They're banning Dr. Seuss not because he was a racist, but precisely because he wasn't. In 1961, Dr. Seuss wrote a story called The Sneetches. Martin Luther King's March on Washington was still two years away, but Dr. Seuss's story captured its essence. In case you haven't already read it to your kids 50 times and know it by heart, here's the plot. There's a group of furry pear-shaped animals called Sneetches who live on what looks like a faraway planet. Now, if that sounds weird to you, be aware that Dr. Seuss rarely drew people, probably because he didn't want to elevate one kind of person over any other kind of person. He wasn't a racist. In any case, there are two groups of Sneetches in the story those with star-shaped designs on their stomachs, and those without. There's no real difference between the two groups, but the Sneetches don't know that. They're convinced that stars are all important. So they spend the entire story jockeying for position based on the relative starness. At various points in the story, stars on the stomach are deemed socially favorable. At others, they're considered a mark of disgrace. And the Sneetches run around frantically trying to keep up with the changing demands of star fashion until they realize in the uplifting final pages of the story that none of it matters. Underneath the stars, they're all the same. They're all Sneetches. Who cares who's got a star? What matters isn't the group you come from. What matters is you. 
even a five-year-old gets the point of the story. At the deepest level, it doesn't matter what we look like, because underneath it all, we're all the same. We're all human beings. We're in this together. All that outward appearance stuff is pointless. It just makes people hate each other, and it makes us look ridiculous. If there's a more powerful statement on the universal brotherhood of man, it's probably not in the children's section of the bookstore. For 60 years, American children have read the Sneetches and books like it. And that's one of the reasons we have the country we have today, in which most Americans, those who don't work at the universities or for the Joe Biden administration, accept Martin Luther King's most famous precept, that what matters is the content of our characters, not the color of our skins. The Sneetches affirm this. The story is a plea for colorblindness, and that's why the forces of wokeness hate it and Dr. Seuss. When the people in charge cancel Dr. Seuss, what they're really trying to eliminate is a very specific kind of mid-century American culture, a culture that championed meritocracy and colorblindness and the superiority of individual achievement over tribal identity. These were once called liberal values. Modern liberals don't want to be reminded that they once believed any of this. If your kids are allowed to read Dr. Seuss, they will know this was a different country not so long ago, a place where people tried hard not to hate each other, a place where the population was encouraged, begged by its leaders to reject identity politics in favor of universal values and the things that connect us all. Over the last year, liberals have been hell-bent to take any person of color off of all branding in every store in the United States, saying that it's, it's racist, that their faces are being used to sell a product, and that makes it racist, or that it was from the past, that makes it racist. Yet, they've left every white face alone. They haven't gone after one product that has a white face on it and called it racist as well. So now we have stores with no people of color represented on any branding, but all the white people are still there. I found that guy this morning, and, I, you know, after the Tucker, I remember the snitches. So I, I already was thinking that line before I did this podcast, but then I found that individual saying, isn't it weird how they're canceling everything? Yeah, this is my boonie cap from the Army. I found this the other day. I used to not build a fit in this because I had a big head, but now I'm unemployed, and I'm a racist, and I'm a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. My hat fits. Cancel culture culture comes for Dr. fucking Seuss. Horton here is a fascist. Biden blasted by right and left for removing mentions of Dr. Seuss from read across America. Because that used to be a tradition. Every president did it. School district drops Dr. Seuss from annual celebration over authors orient orientalism, anti-black anti-black and what was the other one white supremacy one fish two fish red fish really stupid left-wing censoring totalitarian asinine angry blue fish the left says dr seuss is racist they say little house on the prairie is racist they say kill a mockingbird is racist all being banned by public schools how long before the left bans the bible oh they're working on it i mean just remember uh last week um uh, I don't fucking have it anymore. I killed it. Um, you know, we canceled Mr. Potato Head because he wasn't trans-inclusive. Blue check author. 
Ben Shapiro, the good news is short order. We'll no longer need to worry about our failing educational system because books are racist, math is racist, and everything is racist. Mark Harris, New York City. I read a lot about Theodore Geisel's Dr. Seuss and his politics when I was working on Five Came Back. And there's not a doubt in my mind that he would have thought all the people on Fox News suddenly taking him up as a cause are the world's biggest assholes. Geisel was a fascinating and remarkably non-defensive man who deplored racism and was also capable of recognizing where he himself had erred. So the blowhard right should stop panicking. There's still 39 Seuss books left. The Trump Library will be fine. The whole world says, oh, book burning. That's great. Aaron Rupar, the purported cancellation of Dr. Seuss has been mentioned at least 32 times on Fox News. Let me. What the fuck are you doing? In the Newsmax this morning. For context, COVID was mentioned 11 times. AP, six Dr. Seuss books, including And to Think That I Saw on a Mulberry Street and I've Iran a Zoo, will stop being published because of racist and sensitive imagery. The business that preserves and protects the author's legacy said. So they self-did it. Well, here's another self-did it that... I thought was pretty interesting. Let me see if I could find it because I think I fucked up. Uh, Amazon. Amazon tweaks app icon after comparison made to Hitler. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in our next little vignette when we play everything is racist and cancel. Um. Yeah. What the fuck? It's a piece of tape, but okay. University of Orlando evaluating its Dr. Seuss theme area. Because oh, we just got to get rid of everything. But it sums up by Philip Bump. Look, man, if you think obviously racist imagery is an essential element of your own culture, that says more about you than about Dr. Seuss. No one is canceling Dr. Seuss. A phrasing by now so detached from reality that doesn't even make any sense. Oh, like there wasn't any vaccination program? Kids in cages. Charlottesville. Yeah. The left's like, the right's just trying to be like you, man. The author himself is dead for one thing, which is about as canceled as a person can get. The vast, vast majority of his books, the ones without racist images or references, will still be sold. If Dr. Seuss' profile wanes a bit as a result of the attention being paid to his drawing. The only form of canceling at play here to whom is harming being done. The answer, according to Bump, is that people with messed up culture. The answer, of course, is people who perceive criticism of the casual racism of the past as criticism of their own behavior, as a reminder of how the world around them is changing. It's not that some Dr. Seuss books are being taken out of rotation. It's that Seuss is a benchmark for a particular sort of American upbringing. Calling out Seuss and frequent racist imagery is therefore an attack on the view of an American identity. Ben Shapiro. His tweet I just read, people's responses, advanced classes are racist. That's true. AP is now being phased out in a lot of school districts because it excludes black kids. That's what they say. I know a lot of smart black kids, so I don't know where that's fucking come from. Newsweek, don't scoff at the push to cancel Dr. Seuss. They 
Printed Jason Rance. Cancel culture activists have come for Dr. Seuss, who they deem a racist despite the fact that his books are absolutely woke for their time. Shouldn't be dismissed as yet another silly instance of fringe activists overreacting. It's part of a coordinated campaign to indoctrinate children to take the progressive causes. After complaints from teachers and academics, Dr. Seuss Enterprise decided to do it. The move is supposedly long in the works, but it comes as Virginia Loudoun County issued guidance to promote inclusive and diverse books rather than to simply celebrate Dr. Seuss during Read Across America. Research in recent years revealed strong racial undertones in many books written and illustrated by Dr. Seuss. The school district said in assessment. One piece of that research comes from Katie Izuka and Raymond Stevens, two social justice activists behind the Conscious Kid, an organization dedicated to quality and promoting healthy racial identity development youth. Both authors used critical race theory to condemn Dr. Seuss. They compared the number of white characters with the number of those representing minority communities and judged the dominance and master narrative. I'm not going to read anymore. I'm, I'm just not. It's all about anything traditional is bad. That's how they play this. That's how they always play it. That's how they always will play it. Traditional, bad. Anti-traditional, good. Everything is racist. But true versus false is not the only dividing line in the media. Stuff can be true, but practically irrelevant. Look, another dividing line would be serious versus unserious. Significant versus silly. Something that matters a lot versus something that matters only a little. On the internet, everything looks the same. Everything's the same size. This problem doesn't have a pithy label like disinformation. But distractions and drivel are warping the public discourse creating less space for the big stories and the big debates that we need to have. Now, I know some of this is as old as the human condition, but social algorithms and ratings of starved TV networks accelerate it, obsessing over the minor while missing the major. And here are three examples from this week. Disney slapping a disclaimer on old episodes of The Muppet Show that most people will never even watch. Hasbro rebranding Mr. Potato Head to promote inclusion. Democrats and Republicans battling over mean old tweets posted by a Biden nominee. All of these do matter. A little. You might argue they symbolize bigger changes in the culture. Okay. But there's something wrong when so-called cancel culture gets more attention than the struggles that millions of Americans are facing and the the importance of a COVID relief deal. You know, Fox's Pete Hegseth actually kind of nailed this while speaking from the CPAC stage. He's a Harvard and Princeton grad. He lacked all self-awareness while he mocked Ivy League culture. But he said something about the folks he interviews at diners. Here's what he said. They're not talking about esoteric things that the Ivy League talks about or MSNBC talks about. They're talking about the Bible and faith and prayer and their family. Hard work. Supporting the police, standing for the anthem. See, there he takes a turn down Fox's propaganda path, talking about the anthem. But the glimmer of truth in his words, family matters, hard work matters. So then why was Mr. Potato Head mentioned 35 times on Fox? 
news on Fox Business this week? 35 times! Well, the answer is because it's easy. It's cheap. It's really easy to do, but it's so distracting. Potato Head distracts from the suffering so many people are going through. The Muppets controversy distracts from dire inequality. This stuff gets hyped up and passed around, mostly on Twitter, where lots of reporters, myself included, spend way too much time. And the risk is that it warps our judgment and makes sidebar stories seem so much more important than they really are. And that causes even more chatter. And that's how you wind up with Janine Pirro walking around CPAC asking people, have you seen Hunter Biden? Like she's a bad meme come to life. On Friday, I was about to go get dinner for my kids when Donald Trump Jr. attacked me in his speech at CPAC. Um, something about me looking like a gender-neutral potato head. And then the tweets started rolling in on my computer, people telling me about Donnie Jr. insulting me, and I thought of some really cutting responses, some really clever ways to reply, some way to go viral, but then I stopped. I didn't post anything. It was just another distraction. He wanted me to respond. This was just more BS fuel for the culture war, and it does not matter. The best thing we can do for each other in this world of tweet storms is to refuse to be confused by that noise, is to refuse to be distracted. There is too much real news going on. There's no time for potato heads. On Friday, I was about to go get dinner for my kids when Donald Trump Jr. attacked me in his speech at CPAC. Um, something about me looking like a gender-neutral potato head. And then the tweets started rolling in on my computer, people telling me about Donnie Jr. insulting me. And I thought of some really cutting responses, some really clever ways to reply, some way to go viral. But then I stopped. I didn't post anything. It was just another distraction. He wanted me to respond. This was just more BS fuel for the culture war, and it does not matter. The best thing we can do for each other in this world of tweet storms is to refuse to be confused by that noise, is to refuse to be distracted. There is too much real news going on. There's no time for potato heads. Yeah, that's the picture. Because it looked like a Hitler mustache I guess uh, I don't fucking know these fucking people are so stupid replies what how the hell does someone look at an icon and think of Hitler the e-commerce giants introduced a new icon in January replaced the symbol of a shopping cart with one feature a brown box with a jagged piece of blue tape above the company icon smile shape arrow but sharp eyed users sharp eyed not fucking cultists like these idiots right here who worship this shit. Yeah, not that. No. Sharp-eyed. Tape is certainly called the Fuhrer's toothbrush mustache. It's not just a ripscotch tape. It's a ripscotch tape that has a similar shape. And is right on top of a smiling mouth. Looks like a happy little cardboard Adolf to me. One person said on Twitter. Kate Hyde. Now Hitler's mustache is blowing in the wind. But no complaints about the phallic smile. They don't care that their arrow looks like a dick. <laughs> you just can't win with these people. Nazis everywhere! Yeah, we're back to Nazis. I was going to do a Nazi thing again. with drink the Kool-Aid, but I just can't. I'm just going to leave it like this. We're still, yeah, it's still CPAC. 
In other words, Hyatt is totally fine hosting Nazis. Nancy Levine, Hyatt spokesman, emailed me this statement about Hyatt Regency Orlando hosting. Hyatt's most fundamental responsibility is to provide a safe and inclusive environment for all our colleagues, guests, and customers. Our commitment to this principle is informed by our purpose as a company to care for people so they can be their best. We take pride in operating a highly inclusive environment. We believe that the facilitation of gathering is a central element of what we do as a hospitality company. Hospitality. Yeah, I'm just fucking words up today. We believe in the right of individuals and organizations to peacefully express their views, independent of the degree in which the perspective of those hosting meetings and events and our hotel align with ours. Our own values support a culture that is characterized by empathy, respect, and diversity of opinion and backgrounds. And we strive to bring this to light. And Responses to hers. When did inclusive mean we're chill with Nazis? Other people's reply, laugh out loud. Nazis are not running rampant in our country. Calm down, Karen. It's because their brain wants it to be. That's it. Just when you think she can't get any dumber. She's just looking for attention. No, but the fascist progress left is. By the way, Nazi symbolism is common among the left, as our thoughts and propaganda, hope and change we used by Obama was the same thing Hitler used, which is... Very fucking true. It's official. Nancy is the new Karen. Progressive harpy hounds Hyatt. Nancy Levine, new Hyatt spokesman, emailed me this statement about Hyatt Regency. Yesterday, CPAC hosted by Hyatt, Senator Joss Hockley, on January 6th, I objected during the Electoral College certification. Maybe you heard about it. In January, Lowe's Hotel canceled a fundraiser for Hockley, signed the Capitol riot. January 17th, Lowe's Hotel Group canceled Hockley. Hyatt spokesman told me to please direct all then specific questions to CPAC organization team in response to my question about the similarity to Nazi symbology. Matt Slap did not apologize for Nazi symbology at CPAC. In 2018, Hyatt announced that hate groups were not welcome in their hotel. Then they brought this in. Nancy, you must be a perfectly miserable person to know. Glad I'm not in your circle of friends. Do you seriously waste someone's time complaining that in the middle of a pandemic, a business made a choice that will bring in, and the surrounding community, piles of cash? Do you hate the working class? Because you thought that a stage was a Nazi symbol. Oh my God. Chris Murphy, I'm a progressive Democrat, but I'm friends with Republicans. I frequent businesses owned by Republicans. I root for sports teams full of Republicans. I've devoted my life to politics, but I'm careful to not let my politics consume me. In comes the ratio. Your replies are what happens when your party tells its voters that everyone who voted GOP is a white supremacist Nazi. I'm glad you actually don't believe that, but you convinced a lot of your voters to believe it. Friends with Republicans. Name one. Stunning and brave. I'm sure your constituents or members of any of the myriad marginalized communities Republicans want dead will appreciate this, sir. Enjoy being friends with people that try to take away my health care. I'm not. I'm sure I frequent Republican businesses, but when I walk in and Fox is on, as happens often with delis and pizza places, I leave. A black lady. I'm not friends with people who refuse to see my humanity. I could read for a day, but I, but I won't. The media? They may.
made this. In the words of Barack Hussein Obama, you built that shit. You. While Antifa gets violent in Portland again, protesting Biden immigration policy. No coverage, Windows, Starbucks. These motherfuckers hate Starbucks. They fucking hate it. Andy NGO was trending this weekend. You know why? Because liberals are fucking racist and they saw an Oriental dude doing something that they didn't like, so they just said it was him. It wasn't. And while all this is going on, 16-year-old boy among at least five dead in Chicago weekend shooting, 22 others wounded. No coverage. It's a war zone. So we got some hope that maybe, because the Nazis are going away, they were down in the Hyatt, you know, so they're no longer in Washington. D.C. dismantles protective fencing around historic St. George Church. But then we find out razor wire removed. Fence update. The architect of the Capitol office says the razor wire is not coming down. They are in the current of replacing some of the wire. New notice sent last night to all confessional office from SAA alerted that aware of reports of potential protests March 4th, but USCP has no indication groups will travel to D.C. to engage. USCP will have additional personnel posted to the Capitol on grounds. They need this fence for the IETN, imaginary existential threat narrative. The fence provides a terrifying visual that the mainstream media and cable news can then reinforce with doomsday spin scenario. I find the drama both fascinating and disappointing. Absurd, totalitarian, dystopic. Take all the fences down, send the troops home. Stop, tear down these fences now. The capital cannot become a militarized green zone. Yeah. And while we're on that, Christopher Ray refuses to confirm the cause of the death of the policeman because they don't want to change the narrative now. A police officer was murdered by an insurrectionist mob. FBI Director Ray refuses to disclose Brian Cygnus' cause of death. He said today, not at a point where it can disclose or confirm the cause of death of Brian Cisnick, the U.S. Capitol Police officer who died in responding January 6th attack. Tom Elliott. Durbin says Antifa pales in comparison to January 6th rioters. This false equivalency is an insult to the brave police officers who are injured or lost their lives January 6th. FBI Ray on the death of Cisnick. We're not at a point where disclosure confirmed the cause of the death. FBI Ray tells Senate committee they can't disclose. Wait, what? Daily Caller. Refuse to disclose the cause of death of Officer Sisnick. There's an ongoing investigation of his death. I have to be careful at this stage because it's ongoing not to get out in front of it. Ray said in Senate Judiciary Committee hearing when asked about Sisnick's death. Ray declined to say whether the investigation in a homicide investigation. Ray also gave vague answers when asked if investigators have determined the cause of death of Sisnick, an Afghanistan war veteran. Now he's a war veteran. He said after take, talking for hours about ongoing criminal investigations, describing them in presumptive manner, unsupported leftist narrative. I'm going to run with that all day. What, what the fuck did that guy say? Why are you acting all weird? It, it's, it is. It's just a narrative. None of it's fucking true. 71% of Americans believe Anifa is a domestic organization. That's including Democrats. This was a Harris poll. 
Antifar is a far-left group that was responsible for organizing and participating in many of the violent riots occurred during the summer of 2020. The riots cost millions of dollars damage, billions, thank you, and destroyed businesses nationwide. In the poll, 54% of respondents said the people who entered the Capitol building during the January 6th riots were attempting an armed insurrection, while 46% said they were engaged in protests that then turned violent. 68% of Americans agree that there's an urgent increase in domestic terrorism that needs to be addressed with new laws and resources, while 32% said they think this threat is being exaggerated. It was 2,000 respondents, or 1,778. Poll. America's more concerned about violence over the summer than the Capitol riot. 55% said that they were more concerned with the violence in American cities and 45% that they were more concerned with the incidents at the Capitol. Oh, I had a freeze there. I had to stop. Sorry. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that makes total sense because most Americans know what was worse. And where am I getting the $66 billion? George Floyd riots cost 66 times more than capital damage. And it's still happening. It's still fucking happening. They're still attacking courthouses and everything. Media just ignores it. BYU Rooting Out Racism Task Force calls for race-conscious religious curriculum and admission standards. So they're not going to be a religious institution. They're going to get woke. Deranged, blue-checked, race-obsessed Bishop Talbert Swan posts leaks photos of Candace Owens on her wedding night. Breaking a leaked photo of Candace Owens on her wedding night. It's a picture of her hugging a KKK member. Bishop? You call yourself a bishop? I'm not a fan of Owens myself, but this guy is, is a bishop in name only. They can do that. And because we're turning into this cult that just spends all their fucking time drinking Kool-Aid, this... Michael Beschloss, Howard French, Biden just now, there's no longer a bright line between foreign and domestic policy. And to push back against authoritarianism, effectively the U.S. must make racial equality a whole government effort. Anne-Marie Slaughter. This is essential, but it's not just about without racial equality at home. We cannot be effective abroad. Why not start imagining what a foreign policy with racial equality at its core would look like. Have you lost your fucking mind? There's actually an interesting and important debate to be had here, but certainly not with this opening. I think you have your answer. Alas, another Obama retread and Hillary loyalist who's willing to say anything to land a big job with Biden. Remember like a year ago when I was saying that wokeness is a national security threat for like 10 different big reasons? Yeah, but they said Biden was the least woke dem candidate, so there's nothing to worry about. Wesleyan Yang, a foreign policy with racial equality at its core. Generally curious what this would mean in practice and how it would affect policy in Africa, China, India, and the Middle East. It is essentially branding aimed at realigning neocons and neoliberals. Remember, for all the years of Bush, we were told 
He didn't care about domestic issues. We need to worry about domestic issues. Obama comes in and his whole platform is domestic issues. Simultaneously for big business, he starts running wars fucking all over the place. Smoking whole Pakistani villages, which I was totally for. I really don't give a fuck. And then Trump comes in and literally does an America first concept where he starts no wars. He takes out some bad guys with drone strikes and he works on domestic. The economy roars back to life. Blacks, Latinos, women all get record setting job employment. And now we're back to fucking going and torching shit because domestic is important, but you've got to have foreign policy that's woke. Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we have this shit from the Golden Globes. But a number of black actors and black-led projects were overlooked. And look, we all know that award shows are stupid. Yeah. They're all a scam invented by Big Red Carpet. To sell more carpet. We know that. The point is, even with stupid things, inclusivity is important. And there are no black members of the Hollywood foreign press. I realize, HFPA, maybe you guys didn't get the memo because your workplace is the back booth of a French McDonald's. But you got to change that. So here's to changing it. Yes, I'm looking forward to that change. What the fucking fuck? What the fucking fuck? Fucking fuck, I'm telling you. They're all cult. It's just a fucking cult, man. They have their own religion. They even did this. LA Times reviewed internal emails from the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, the group behind the Glowing Globes, about the controversy about its membership. Here's what we found. The voting body is facing criticism over the fact that it does not have a single black member. We now know that in 2013, the AFPA rejected a black applicant. Why? Former President Theo Kingman told us, sadly, she didn't fulfill the bylaws requirement. But in an internal email, a member gave a different reason. She was rejected because she did not receive sufficient votes. A lot of members are probably unaware that in 2013 there was a controversy. The message states, please let's not discuss this on email. And it goes on and on. These are the woke motherfuckers. And just like Cuomo... It ends up being, they're the, they're the fucking racist, man. They're the fucking racist motherfuckers in the room. Sexist, I mean, name it. ABC 11. No, President Biden did not tweet about minorities not being able to use the inter- internet. A fake tweet made to appear came from Biden's official Twitter account. Joe Biden circulated on social media following remarks he made at CNN. My comments regarding minorities not being able to use the internet was taken out of context, reads a phony tweet, which was shared on his image on social media. It's not they don't know how to use it, just they don't know any better. Those people don't know about computers because they lack the resources, education, and their overall commitment to the community. It's not that they're dumb, it's just they don't like to do anything. Hope this clears this up. Joe Biden says black people and Hispanics don't know how to use the internet and can't figure out where to get the vaccine. No one said Biden tweeted. He said it out loud. It's on video. It's fucking on video. Here it is. The, uh, the other part portion is a lot of people don't know how to register. Not everybody in the community 
in the Hispanic and the African American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the, at the Walgreens. Or at, at, at I mean, the, why do we just, just tell the truth? He fucking said it. He said all sorts of shit like this forever. Department of Education distributes toolkits for dealing with racism in children from three months and up. Anti-racist baby is significantly more dangerous for children thinking on race than I ran the zoo. It's not even close. Scoop. Arizona Department of Education has created an equity toolkit claiming that babies show the first signs of racism at three months old. And that white children remain strong bias to favor whiteness by age five. Let's review the resource in the toolkit. They're not too young to talk about race. Let's blow this motherfucker up. Oh, you fucking people. At birth, babies look equally at faces of all races. At three months, babies look more at faces that match the race of their caregiver. Children as young as two years old use race to lessons about people's behavior. By 30 months... Most children use race to choose playmates. Expression of racial prejudice often peak at four or five. By five, black and Latinx children in research settings show no preference towards their own groups compared to white children who only look for white people. By kindergarten, children show many of the same racial attitudes that adults and our culture hold They have already learned to associate some groups with higher status. Six-plus conversations with five- and seven-year-olds about interracial friendships can dramatically improve their racial attitude in as little as a single week by some learning of your own to get ready for conversations with children, teaching tolerance, raising race-conscious children, embrace race, teaching for change, Aorta cooperative, fortify communities. How white parents can talk to their kids about race. Here's an age-by-age guide for white parents to address racism and privilege. White parents can and should begin addressing issues of race and racism early, even before the children can speak. Studies have indicated that infants as young as three months old can recognize racial differences. Babies are born with a blank slate, and it goes right through all that shit I just fucking read. It's a a whole fucking book. What white children need to know about race? Ooh, oppo. Some may argue that school is not an appropriate place for racial socialization. This view assumes that it's possible to maintain racial neutrality in schools. In fact, the neutral colorblind approach that most schools currently use does racially socialize youth. It simply does so in a particular direction. As stated earlier, silence is a racial message and a tool of whiteness in order to support the groups of the diverse mission statements and work towards a racial division. Uh, We're putting the Kool-Aid back up. Racially just America, schools need to take a more proactive approach to teaching white students about race and racial identity. Race is an essential part of one's identity. Being white may have little meaning to some whites, but that does not mean it has no meaning. 
all white people are white in the context of society that continues to disadvantage people of color based on race. Being white, in essence, means not having to deal with those disadvantages and therefore not having to notice them. Schools can help foster awareness about the meaning of whiteness by helping white students develop a positive racial identity, which requires an understanding of systemic racism. While students may need to be reassured that they did not ask to be white, or in any advantage that might come with it, they should also know that reality is which they are embedded ascribes unearned privileges to their whiteness. It is through seeing themselves in largely radicalized or racialized context that white people can begin to understand how they can work to change racism and change what it means to be white. Create a positive white identity allows white students to move towards it. In her book, Why Are All the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria, Beverly Daniel Tatum suggests that in traditional contexts of race, there are only three ways to be white. Ignorant, colorblind, and racist! With options like these, she asks why would, who would choose to identify with their whiteness? She suggests that we have to create a fourth way to be white. The anti-racist white identity school needs to create spaces. I'm getting to a point in a second. That's why I'm saying white. Which students can identify as white and silences work against racism. Whites have cha- choices regarding how to use privilege that come from being white. All of these above considerations as well as contact knowledge below can foster an anti-racist white identity. You can have black friends, partners, or children, child and still be a fucking racist. So why try? <laughs> you can do everything we tell you, but you're still a racist. I'm used to the conversation with white people about race. Too often they love to throw in terms that alleviate some of their white fragility. Probably heard some of these, including the race car, black on black crime, reverse racism, and colorblindness. There are made up terms that some white people use to feel better about themselves. If you have black partner or children, if you dated a person of color in the past, if you have BIPOC friends and co-workers and neighbors, good. But those relationships do not give you a one-way ticket out of racism town. Racism town, where's that? Oh, it's everywhere. It's the United States, got it. Unless we as white people are listening, learning, and changing based on what we're being taught within these relationships, we aren't doing any good at all. In fact, we're doing more harm than good. Clapping back when being called out only proves that white people cannot stand not being at the center of every single conversation, policy, and action. Yeah. Could you write an article with that much black? Could you? Would it be found to be racist? Finally, the department shares a series of resources for teachers about systemic racism and intersectionality that explains how to conduct an equity audit and implement racial equity plan in schools using the principle of anti-racism. I call on Governor Ducey to conduct an investigation of the Department of Education Radical Equity and Diversity Program. It's deeply ideological, anti-scientifically, and morally bunk. Arizona students deserve better but it's everywhere why joe biden's faith-based equity agenda is getting pushback from religious conservatives yeah you're right it's usa today it's because you're racist catholics for choice remain committed to respecting god's pronoun and identities charlotte clymer 
Abby Johnson tweets, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our Father. So let me get this right, Charlotte Clymer says. You're saying that because God presents and identifies as a male, we should respect his decision and use the appropriate pronouns without guarding to any supposed scientific reasoning? Catholics for choice. In this house, we respect pronouns and the right to bodily autonomy. For God's pronouns and identities are respected. So shall those of his children. You're joking, right? Our replies. In this house, we pretend that Catholics should care more about personal pronouns than the lives of unborn. You pronouns are more important than not killing people. Your brother's blood calls out to me from the ground. God. This message brought to you by the delusional, self-absorbed folks who believe Christ is cool with abortion. That's true. And then we got, you know, we got we to gotta get over here. Where's, where's our cult stuff? Because we got to bring up the doctor. There she is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There he is. Impressive. Twitch kicks off Women's History Month by inclusively pissing off everyone. If you're a cishead or a normative transphobe, that's it. If you're woke like grammar, live stream, platform, Twitch, you know that March is about celebrating women. And the tweet didn't come in, so let me refresh this. Something went wrong. Well, let me get it. Boom. I got it. Oh, they deleted it. At least the mistress of old landed on the pronounceable woman. What the hell does one do with this? Latinx is meant to degender Latino Latina. Why is the X there? Because boomer wine mom feminists back in the day decided that having letters men inside of word somehow meant that women were derivative of men. The replacement uses used to be woman. Even their random letters are moving backwards. Latinx was meant by... Uh, fuck it, I'm not going to this shit. Yeah, so Twitch, they, they took it down. It's gone. Mm. Heather Burrow, high question. Is Reverend Senator... Raphael Warnock or Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock? Warnock's office officially going with Senator Reverend Ralph Warnock. Dr. First Lady Senator Reverend. People are mocking it. I'm going to tell you right now. He's about as much as a freaking reverend as I am. I'm a Verizon engineer. We built our... What the fuck is that? And then to this... Train wreck over here. Rachel Levine, first transgender nominee, deflects inflammatory questions from GOP. Then, as the weekend goes on, U.S. Uh, the York Daily News, which is a derivative of the USA Today, Dr. Rachel Levine faces transphobia in her historic U.S. Senate confirmation by uh, the Thursday, the 25th. Patty Murray rebukes Rand Paul for harmful misrepresentation as historic confirmation hearing of Rachel Levine. And then over the weekend, four ways to make your workplace equitable for trans people. You paid for it. N-P-R. Yeah. Drink the Kool-Aid and shut your mouth. For a moment of comedy. I think this was my sister or my brother. I can't remember. So Matt in Oregon, our big sis in Colorado, you sent me this. 
We need to stop being white. Truck Sessions. What's going on, y'all? In honor of Coca-Cola, I have written a brand new song for you called Be Less White. That's right. The pamphlet that's going around Coca-Cola to all their employees right now, if you hadn't been paying attention, is how to be less white. All the reasons white people are bad. You know, at some point, I'm just like, damn. The, the hatred is real. Can you imagine if we released a pamphlet called Be Less Black? Can you imagine if, if uh, Coca-Cola did that? What would happen? Y'all, I'm from Mississippi. I don't care who you are, what walk of life you come from. You can come down here and have a beer with me anytime. But this is getting comical. It's getting ridiculous. At a certain point, I think in America, we just need to be less stupid. That's what we need to be. <laughs> Hope y'all like this song. Be proud of who you are no matter where you came from. In the meantime, we need to be less white. <laughs> Coca-Cola's done lost their dadgum minds The other white guilt's hitting pretty hard this time I thought I'd seen it all But as it turns out I have to change my skin to live this one down We gotta be less white Be less white These liberals gone wild and they lost their minds We gotta be less white Be less white Now I'm switching to Pepsi and it's all alright said to be less white is to be less oppressive, be less certain, and less defensive. Be less arrogant, try to actually listen. Well, Coke ain't getting served in my kitchen. Be less white, hell, be less white. His liberals gone wild and they lost their minds. We gotta be less white, be less white. Now I'm switching to Pepsi and it's all alright. Pretty good shit right there. That's a funny crap. To our HR1 segment, we'll close this pig out. As I wipe my nose, so my allergies are just horrible today. I took my flonase, but it just ain't working. Biden and men purging Democrat Trump supporters from federal government because they're an existential threat to democracy. Yeah. Okay. Don't live on Mars. Read H.R. 1 bill. The Democrats call this for the People Act. It has nothing to do with for the people. It's a bill so Democrats can steal your vote in every way. Understand within this, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. If H.R. 1 passes, all 50 states will be California. The entire country will have ballot harvesting and mail-in voting. Think about that. Democrats intend to save democracy by putting themselves in charge of elections. Absurd as that sound, and it really is a part of the inappropriate name for the People Act, or H.R. 1. H.R. 1 is even more significantly threatening in the aftermath of the 2020 election, where electoral flaws made many Americans question the integrity of the election. According to the Democrats, the lessons of that terrible day was that we need more of the corrupt policies that caused it in the first place. We need more mail-in voting. We need ballot harvesting. Carlson went on to point out that the line in Sarbanes' bill reads that a state government cannot require voters to provide any form of identification. Under H.R. 1, people could freely go house to house and apartment to apartment, collecting unknown thousands of ballots, and then dump them all in the ballot box drop box. 
No one would have any idea those bullets have been tampered with or changed. HR1 also makes it harder for election observers to file complaints. A system like this is suicidal for democracy. No other free country would tolerate it. If we could get the reforms that are embodied in H.R. 1 into law, it would be absolutely transformational, Sarbanes, Maryland, Democrats said. be the most robust, breathtaking set of reforms that we've seen in two generations. The Ford, the People Act, would prohibit states from requiring identification for individuals voting by mail. The legislation would also forbid states from requiring witness signatures on absentee ballots. Under general circumstances, election officials may not impose signature verification requirement in order to accept or count an absentee ballot. The bill would also enable ballot harvesting by allowing individuals to designate another person to drop off their ballot as long as they're not being paid to do so. While former Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked the bill in the past, Democrats will likely use their majority in both chambers to push the proposal. I played the intro, which was Congressman Byron Donalds. His assessment for the People Act is really just for Democrats. That article's all fucked up. Roll call. Reformers say H.R. 1 will fortify your democracy. Science shows it won't. Past campaign finance reform efforts have had little impact on how Americans view the democratic process. The promise was soon to the test when Congress considers H.R. 1, the For the People Act 2021. The campaign finance portion of this bill, a top priority for the Biden administration, includes stricter disclosure requirements, a small dollar public financing system for federal offices, a call for constitutional amendment to overturn the Supreme Court Citizens United decision. The problem for the administration is that legislation is riddled with claims that do not hold up when subjected to scientific scrutiny. For instance, the legislation on offers the promise of fortifying our democracy against, among other evils, the torrent of money flowing into our political system, thereby protecting the integrity of democracy. There's also a flood of money from wealthy special interests in our election. The legislation tells us reformers like their liquid metaphors. When a similar bill made it through the House in 2019, the New York Times described it as devised to restore public trust in governments, while Speaker Pelosi said its campaign finance component was about ending skepticism. It's about money and politics and how that destroys the confidence of the people. These calls for change speak directly to the Supreme Court justification for upholding constitutionally restricted political speech and Citizens United. But do not but do such restrictions work as intended? To find out, we undertook the largest examination to date of survey data on attitudes towards money and politics, analyzing nearing 60,000 individual responses to over 50 surveys conducted between 1987 and 2017. This time period witnessed major changes to campaign finance law. The variation in campaign finance laws between states and across states over time allowed us to isolate the effect of these laws on public attitudes. Controlling for other individual institutional factors that can influence trust, we found there was no meaningful relation between state campaign finance laws and trust in public. Another way to frame the findings, perhaps one more jarring for reformers, there was no difference in levels of trust between fully deregulated systems and fully regulated. It's baked in the cake. We all know there's dark money. People buy shit. They buy elections. 
Republicans slam Democrats' power grab bill normalizing 2020 election problems. Um, the 800-page For the People Act, it passed, would grant Democrats the power to overhaul state election processes and impose new regulations on political advertising and donors, giving Congress ultimate, ultimate supervisor power over federal elections. While Democrats tout the bill as a way to strengthen voter rights, many critics, including former FEC commission officials and privacy activist groups, expressed their opposition to the legislation because of its susceptibility to partisan control and other provisions such as the public exposure of citizens' private donations to nonprofit and other organizations. Besides giving the uni party in the swamp power, finding Funding politicians with taxpayer dollars and preventing the use of voter identification laws, Democrats will permit ballot harvesting and mandate nationwide mail-in balloting. Senator Majority Leader Minority Leader McConnell also condemned the bill as a power grab, exactly the wrong response to the distressing lack of faith in our system. They want to force all 50 states to allow the absurd practice of ballot harvesting where paid operatives can show up at polling places carrying a thick stack of filled out ballots and other people's names on them. They want to fortify states, forbid states from implementing voter idea, ID or doing simple things like checking their voter rolls against change of address submissions. They want to mandate no excuse mail-in balloting as a permanent norm post-pandemic. The sweeping federal takeover would be exactly the wrong response to what the American people are saying. Others took to Twitter expressed their concern with legislation, noting it would expand opportunities for voter fraud. H.R. 1 is pretext to abolishing the Electoral College. Requiring an ID to vote is common sense. H.R. 1 for the Politicians Act strips away voter ID. Calling HR for the People Act is laughable. It would strip normal Americans the most basic civil duty and empower Democratic elites to conduct mass manipulation of elections. Nancy Pelosi is forcing voter vote on HR 1, which is designed to weaken election integrity. It was bad when Democrats introduced it two years ago. It's worse now. It's about to reveal the truth behind their election bill. Here's other things in it. Felons. 16-year-old kids vote. That's in there, too. MTG, who is hated, led a revolt on the felon aspect. Bipartisan defeat of Cori Bush's violent, convicted criminal can vote amendment on the House floor. It called for a ro- I called for a roll call vote on this so the Dems couldn't ram it through via voice vote. Democrats. 97 yeas, 112 nays. That's all I need to say. This bill is bad. It's exactly what we talked about. They don't want to ever give up power. And while they're ramming in an election process that benefits them so they never lose power, Gab hacked by militant tranny organization. Substack, where journalists have left and started reporting. Dr. Sarah T. Roberts. Substack is a dangerous direct threat to traditional news media, but more importantly, it's a threat to journalism. Great, you say. Journalism needs to be disrupted. But here's the problem. 
Journalists make their names during reporting. This is governed by norms and practices and by ethics. Flawed and not always achieved, true, but present and guiding what newsrooms do in every way. People not inside journalism or media may not know the specifics, but they often have nebulous sense that there are norms, independence, disclosure, compromise, editorial oversight, and vetting of the reporting. That's what makes them trust enough to buy and read and watch. What, what planet is she on? Newsrooms are fucking falling apart because they've been lying, carrying a narrative, and nobody trusts them. What is much less obvious to make them means when there is a reporter who makes her name in a newsroom, traditional paper, fully online outlet, and then leaves her substack or any analog, taking the name, reputation earned from work done in context I just stated, and starting an outlet in which they are both reporter and editor without oversight, and in a subscription model that puts their material under the cloak of darkness. It is the alluring of skirting those norms for quicker, dirtier reports, as well as being big money that draws them. Not only are they earning off the subscription model, many high-profile writers are paid directly by Substack to be exclusive and an influencer. And this way, an investigative reporter has earned her bona fides in newsroom. And under both strict editorial and journalistic principles, has just cashed out and turned herself into opinion writer. And she's getting paid a lot. But she's no longer a journalist. She's as best an opinion writer. So what? So the general public sees her names, knows her reporting history, and signs up, not knowing the difference. This is why Substack is incredibly dangerous and damaging to the fourth estate. One of the few fallacies against anti-democratic maneuvers when at their best, we really can't afford to lose them right now. Please do not write for any pay-for Substack. I have to say it, I believe it's dangerous. Take heed. You read it here first. By the way, I'm not talking about Substack for basket weaving or 30 Rock fandom or whatever. It's, I'm talking about staff purporting to be serious. Opinion can be serious, but I believe lines are being intentionally blurred by Substack. There's also a long traditional example of industry watchers. I feel there's a very worse and blah, blah, blah. Also, I'm very specific. Oh, one more thing. Substack is paying for big influencers. And one more thing. And you think there's a... Uh, and one more thing. And one more thing. And one more thing. J.R. Homestead. Laugh my ass off. Get bent. Battle swarm. Any journalist with Black Lives Matter in their bio deserves to lose their job over their lack of objectivity. And there's the money shot. There's the money shot. Everything she said was projection. Because we have, for the last four years, given up on journalism. How many of the Russia things off I have a source who just hated Trump but worked at the White House were false how many the entire summer narrative about BLM Antifa riots 66 billion dollars damage 36 officers killed 50 Americans killed hundreds of thousands of businesses destroyed how about COVID You got people so scared they're isolating their kids for no reason. And then you get your administration you want. And they're doing the same policies Trump did. And you're not even pointing it out. You're just spending all day spinning how it's not what Trump's doing. Intellectually bereft. 
We don't have journalism. And she can write a 45 fucking tweet screed about Substack. It's just about control. The Brian Seltzers, all these motherfuckers. It's control. It's not about, oh, the democracies and our norms and all that bullshit. They can't control the alt-right media. And the alt-right media, they term it that way. Alternative media is what I call it. Is kicking their ass in facts. June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Nine months it took for what was released last year about nursing homes in New York and sexual harassment. Nine months. You waited after an election to report facts. And all the while, you called everybody who said it conspiracy theorists, racists, Nazis. You know, somebody said something about Tannen the other day, and I'll close on that concept. I think sometimes the media and the left right now, they're doing shiny objects. And they're throwing them out there on purpose. Biden knew Tannen was a fucking firebrand. Everybody in the media knew it. That's Why do you think Chuck Todd brought her on fucking Meet the Press? She said horrible shit. It would get conservatives to watch because he's losing his conservative viewers because he's a fucking hack. He's just a liberal donor. His wife's a liberal fucking goddamn... She's a fucking communication person for fucking Democratic campaigns. Bestie to Jennifer Palmieri who ran Hillary's campaign who he interviewed and he never disclosed. I mean, seriously, think about it. They all knew she was a fucking piece of shit. But... Let's be honest. That's the shiny object. You all went after that while he's punching in. We'll start our show next time. More gun legislation. And punching in HR1. His wife's answering questions. Nobody's talking about that. That's why I started the show with it. When ever... Did a policy question get cleaned up by a spouse of FLOTUS? When? Hillary didn't even have them big balls. And while that was happening, what are they doing? They're propping her up on a pedestal. They're making her this great thing. They're making her a thing. It's just like Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama came to look at her fucking arms. She's so awesome. They made her something. They have to make it positive. They have to spin this because she's running our fucking country right now. Dr. I'm not really a Dr. Biden is running the country, not Joe Biden. She is more cognitive. She knows the policy better. We didn't elect her. As stated, I don't think we even elected Joe. I think the whole goddamn mail-in voting is crooked as shit. And remember, we covered it. North Carolina was crooked. Ballot harvesting was a bad thing. Before it wasn't. We're in peril as a country when you have a man that is not cognitive a woman who's not elected, and a media that won't report anything 
that can hurt the Democratic Party. You could say, okay, for Biden, I got it because they wanted to beat Trump. But the Cuomo story is glaring. They purposely avoided that shit because they didn't want to help Trump. And that's scary. Especially when it costs 15,000 lives. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with your family and friends. Go to FopPodcast.com. Get the audio and the video. If you want to be a purist, go to SoundCloud Podcast Addict. Tune in radio, blah, 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 blah. Remember to check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Send comments to me from foppodcast.com. Our next show will be uh, Sunday, 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 the 7th of March, year of our Lord, 2021. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend some time with your family. I wasn't supposed to be podcasting today. We are going to be shooting and put videos in it, but I couldn't. Because the wife heard her back, so we skipped the day. But next week, I'll get a range day out there, put a couple vids up with the son and wife going shooting. That's what we do in the gun culture. Uh, we don't go practice shooting so we can go be tower shooters or shoot up kids. We just like shooting paper targets. It's a whole cultural thing. Used to be okay, but now all of a sudden, gun culture is bad. Just gun culture is bad. Yeah. Anyway. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.